There is no doubt that travel is one of the most wonderful activities that we can partake as humans. Travel feeds that insatiable curiosity and love for all things unique and different from what we are used to. There really isn't quite anything like it to feed our mind, body, and soul, right? But often we forget to realize that travel truly is a privilege. To travel and to explore near and far isn't something that all of us are blessed to experience. Some of us don't have the means, some of us don't have the support, and some of us just don't have the luxury to take time off from life's everyday routine. Travel is first and foremost a choice and a privilege, and when we lose sight of this privilege, we start to become insensitive and immune to all that is happening around us that really isn't what we are used to. That is why I'm so thrilled to welcome a fellow traveler and a travel and sustainability student, Tua Nugent, to the Culturally Ours podcast. Tua is in the travel industry. She is studying tourism and sustainability in Sweden. As an immigrant living in Sweden, she also shares some of the challenges she faced early on when she and her family moved from Vietnam to Sweden. Tua and I spoke about what sustainable and ethical travel means not just for her, but also as someone in the tourism industry. She shared some ideas on how people can participate in travel and tourism with a sustainable lens. And interestingly enough, sustainability doesn't just mean taking your own water bottle with you or buying eco-friendly products. Sustainability goes beyond the superficial. In fact, it also means to appreciate local values, customs, traditions, as well as maintaining the cultural integrity, ecological processes, and biodiversity of a region, people, and place. Tua and I also talked about some of the less obvious aspects of travel and tourism. This concept of dark tourism, poverty tourism, ethical wildlife tourism, as well as the importance of diversity in the travel and outdoor space. After all, everyone, irrespective of color, race, religion, or ethnicity has a right to enjoy the outdoors and travel whenever possible, right? It was such a delight to speak with Tua and also so refreshing to have a healthy dialogue about the good and not so good parts of travel and tourism. We often look at this activity with rose-colored glasses of how amazing of an experience it can be but also being aware of the true cost of travel for all the parties concerned is important when making travel and experience decisions. So come join Tua and I as we chat about the ethics of travel and tourism on this episode of Culturally Ours. Welcome to Culturally Ours, a show where we explore global cultural diversity in an intimate way through conversations and narratives around lifestyle, culture, food, art, and travel. Host Karthika Gupta talks to people from all over the world who have intimately experienced different cultures as a way to understand each other's worlds from the inside out, focusing on what we have in common. Welcome, Tuha. Thank you so much for joining me on Culturally Ours. I'm very, very excited to talk to you, have you on the podcast, and I cannot wait to get to know you a little bit better. Likewise, I'm very excited to be here. Of course. Now, before we begin, um, could you tell us a little bit about sort of who you are, where you're from, 
just to help set the stage for this conversation. Yeah, of course. So yeah, like I said, um, my name is Tuha and right now I'm studying tourism and sustainability here in Sweden, which is where I'm from. Um, and I think you found me on my Instagram because I post a lot about, you know, tourism and sustainability. Um, it is something that I am very passionate about. And I feel like traveling has always been part of my identity for as long as I can remember. So, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this. Yes, I did find you on Instagram. <laughs> and <laughs> it was one of those completely stalker moments for me because I found a post. Somebody had shared something you had um, talked about. And I know we're going to get to that as well in the interview. So I won't give that away. But uh, it just it just connected with me. And I realized that, you know, as as people, as individuals, as travelers, we don't talk about we always talk about the good things about travel. We don't talk about the not so good things and difficult topics, but we need to because we need to be more aware. Um, so I reached out to you and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So I'm excited too. Yeah. So tell me what got you. I mean, you said that you've always been a lifelong traveler, passionate about travel. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about sort of what really got you interested in travel and to make that as something that you're studying, tourism and sustainability okay first of all it sounds like such a cliche right like oh i love traveling <laughs> like, who doesn't like to travel <laughs> actually uh, actually my dad hated traveling really yes well, he he absolutely like if you would tell him on the weekend let's go somewhere and he'd be like no his idea of chilling out was just sitting on the couch watching you know trashy tv uh having my sounds mom like cook my for him. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my guy for sure <laughs> i love trashy tv <laughs> but um yeah i would say um like my like my mom and my dad are from vietnam and we moved to sweden when i was just a baby so growing up i've always kind of like had another culture as well and we've also traveled a few times to Vietnam when I was younger and also like when I was a teenager, just growing up, like repeatedly going home to Vietnam. Um, and I think that's where like the, the interest of, you know, traveling grew. And like when I got to see, you know, like there's so much more to this world and just taking like Sweden and Vietnam and comparing those two countries, it's like, you know, it's the complete opposite. And I found that so fascinating and I just, I just wanted to see more. Yeah. Oh, completely. Uh, I'm from India and yeah. I've lived, I've lived now half my life here in the States and, and you're right. It's so, it's completely an East versus West mm -hmm. um, in so many different ways. And uh, I, I want to ask you like how, how was, and, and this is kind of maybe unrelated, but sort of related. Um, how did the whole transition go for you when you would travel back and forth? Did you find it easy to assimilate back into, you know, Vietnamese culture, going into Vietnam and, and on the flip side, coming back? Like, mm. did you always have these questions of like, you know, what's going on? Like, who am I? How do I kind of relate to these two identities? Oh, for sure. For sure. Also growing up in a small town in Sweden, you know, like I was kind of the only Asian kid. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was the only one, I mean, me and another guy, but we were the only ones who looked, you know, Asians. So I always like, not question, but, you know, like you always wondered, you know, like where you came from and 
even at home, you know, we ate Vietnamese food and, you know, my parents uh, spoke Vietnamese language to me. So it was actually kind of a relief when I finally got to, to go back to Vietnam. But I mean, I was five years old the first time I went. So like, I didn't understand anything other than, you know, the fact that I was going somewhere. Um, but when I grew older, I remember like my first solo travel in Vietnam. Um, when I finally just got the time to travel there on my own and kind of experience the country on my own. Um, it was such a life-changing experience for mm. me. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about just, you know, the pandemic and COVID. And I know I, I, I love asking this question because every country is so different. Mm. And it's amazing to kind of hear how people are adjusting and, and sort of reacting. So tell me how the pandemic sort of unfolded in, in Sweden and, you know, did everything shut down? Are things open back up again? How, how mm. is it there for you? Oh, <laughs> I think a lot of people um, have heard on the news how Sweden has um, reacted to the whole COVID thing because <laughs> we have gone in a different direction. Um, not so much now, um, but um, in the beginning of the pandemic, we were a lot about... Like, one thing that people have to understand with Sweden is that we are used to socially distancing. Mm. Um, we're, like, we have this reputation of being cold, I guess, but it's just... Mm. I don't know, like social distancing is just like, it's nothing new for us. Um, so it's something that we've kind of, <laughs> it's kind of normal for us. Um, but then we also decided to not shut down. Um, yeah, we just decided not to shut down and we wanted to um, like invest in, like in the economic part as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we know that, like just looking at it from now, like obviously we have failed. Um, of what we wanted to do uh but things are still open in sweden okay so <laughs> that, that is very interesting so nothing nothing shut down no, no masks or anything like that um so in march actually this month they decided to um like there's this law of like you have to wear a mask during rush hour um but you know like when is rush hour for example um, so there's still people that just don't, you know, wear masks and there are those who does and, um, like there's restaurants and bars who have to close in a certain hour now, but you know, if you want to go out for lunch or something, or you want to go shopping or like, you can do that. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. I spoke to um, uh, Barrett, who's from Japan, and he said something similar from a cultural standpoint. You know, he's like, you know, Japanese culture, Karthika, is so different, right? They've always, I mean, they're, they are a little bit more aloof. You know, they do, uh, they don't hug, they don't shake hands as much. And, and yeah. so he's like, for us, this was so normal. And, you know, we wear masks. So all of this thing from a mindset standpoint is not different from what we do on a regular basis, which yeah. is so completely opposite to some in the western world where it is more you know friendlier not friendlier it is more maybe touchy-feely um you know kind of so it's it's kind of it's interesting to to understand the subtle nuances of culture in a yeah. situation like this right <laughs> yeah but i do have to say that i mean there, there we have shut down a few things like museums are shut down for example and you can't go to the cinema anymore so i mean there are like a few things that we're trying to shut down but i mean if i'm looking at it from I don't know, like I, I lived in Korea a few months ago and 
I remember when they like cases just started to rise a bit, everything shut down like immediately. So yeah. Okay, interesting. Now, talk to me about um, about your schooling, about what you're focusing on um, from your you know your childhood, your travel experiences to now kind of shifting it to something from a career perspective. Mm. How did you go about thinking about that? I mean, why did you want to focus on on travel, on tourism, and specifically sustainability? Hmm. So, I think the sustainability part didn't really, you know, come to me until older, like until I got a bit older. Um, but the travel part has always been there. I did um, study like international relations uh, for my bachelor's because I was very interested in working with human rights. But then I also like, I've always had this interest in traveling, as I said, and I've always wanted to work in the tourism industry. And that's kind of how I started to shift, you know, like there's a lot of things that we can do in the tourism industry as well that has to do with human rights, for example. And that's also like a sustainability aspect of it all. So, yeah. That's kind so, of so what are some of the sort of trends or what are some of the things that you would like to see um, change or maybe be become more front and center uh, from a human rights and sustainability standpoint in the tourism space? Yeah, so like based on what I've observed, like when I've traveled, I mean, there's so many like ethical, like let's take animal tourism, for example, like we all, like we know that it's not ethical. And I feel like you have to do a lot of research if you're going to visit some of these called sanctuaries, for example. Um, I just wish that travelers would be more aware and be more willing to educate themselves before even going traveling to any destination that they go to. Hey there, I hope you are enjoying this episode of Culturally Ours. Did you know there are so many wonderful resources, articles, and blog posts on the website to extend your Culturally Ours experience? We also have a library of free resources, like a travel guide to some of the most culturally diverse places around the world, a global kitchen essentials cheat sheet, and so much more. Head on over to culturallyars.com forward slash free to grab these and be sure to check back often as we're constantly adding more resources just for you. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, this is something that, you know, we see this all the time and it just, it's, it's heartbreaking when you see um, tiger cubs, you know, people taking photos with, with them or riding on elephants. And it's just, it's just something that, I don't know, it's, maybe it's the whole, you know, um, social media, the, the whole checklist, the whole, hey, I've been there, done this, done that uh, mindset. I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's heartbreaking to see because we don't, and this is more of the obvious ones, right? I mean, like you said, animal tourism, there are so many that's more subtle that we don't think about. Um, and we just do it because everybody else around us is doing it. So talk to me, like from a conversation standpoint, how can we, how can we become these better travelers, no educated travelers? Any, anything that we can do from your experience and your research? So actually I had this conversation yesterday with um, another girl who's in this like, tour like travel and sustainability you know sector and you know we were discussing a bit about like what can we do to diversify the travel industry because that's also a problem that i feel like the travel industry is 
you know, like there's not a lot of um, different cultures that are represented, for example. And I mean, it is so difficult, like even studying this, like we read a lot about different issues, for example, but then there's like, okay, so what are the solutions? And there's no like simple answer to it, unfortunately. I mean, it is all about educating yourself. Um, I think that's a really important aspect that you have to that you have to think about like and also about your intentions like why am I doing this why am I going like what am I hoping to learn um what are my motivations or intentions so yeah I think I think it's a lot about the individual but also you know about these tourism um what are they called tourism boards yeah, or like the ones who organize the trips, for example. Tours, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the tours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's sort of, uh, I don't know, it's it's like a circular thing, right? What It's like the proverbial, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. I mean, the more, the more we talk about it, the more we have conversations about it, the more people are educated. The more people are educated, they start asking for better options when they start mm-hmm. asking for better options people start researching better options you know i mean and, and offering more and then it goes back again so when stu- like when people stop asking for the top 10 things to do in a destination mm-hmm. then as content creators as tourism boards as you know writers we start to think about okay what else is there in a destination what, apart from this top 10 how else can I explore a destination? And those narratives sort of come to the surface, right? So yeah. it's, I, I think, you know, kind of what you're doing is right in talking about these things and encouraging people to talk more about these things. Yeah. Um, it is. It, it can be uncomfortable conversations, you know, because for sure. I think a lot of them, like they don't have a bad intention. Like it's just yeah. lack of knowledge, you know? Yeah. Um, like one thing that I've discussed in my Instagram, for example, is dark tourism, where you travel to... Um, what do you say a country or site that is associated with like suffering for example or mm-hmm. death um, and one of those places is for example um, what is it called in uh, the killing fields in Cambodia mm-hmm. and I was also there in Cambodia and I also you know went to this dark tourism site um, but as I explained in my Instagram, like it's really all about your intention. Like I went to the killing fields because I really wanted to learn. I really wanted to show my support to the locals. I really wanted yeah. to hear what they've been through. Whereas I think a lot of people, like when they do visit these places, they just they don't even reflect on why they're going. Like maybe they go there to take a few selfies, and then you mm. know that's that that was the main you know reason why they went there. Right. And that was, I, I saw that, and that was really shocking to me. I mean, I had heard about things like this. I've, I've not experienced it, but I've sort of experienced something similar. But um, it's just the fact that there is a name for it and the fact that it's kind of popular was, was shocking, to say the least. Um, when it's like, why would you, like, this is a, a chance for you to learn and history, you know, face-to-face as opposed to in a book. I mean, yes, you're curious. Yes, you know, it's it's fascinating in a, in a sense in terms of understanding understanding the narrative, right? Like what happened? How did it happen? Why did it happen? Yeah. It, I'm talking about curiosity in that aspect. Why would you sort of taint it by, you know, kind of glamorizing it? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I don't know if you remember, was it two years ago? But yeah, I think it was two years ago, there was this TV show that was called Chernobyl um, that came out. And it is about, you know, the Chernobyl disaster that happened in Ukraine. And I remember that I saw, I read that, you know, visits to Chernobyl like rose like immensely after the series came out. Um, the problem was that a lot of these people, like they just came to take these like influencer shots. Like I saw some shocking photos when I looked, you know, at the hashtag Chernobyl. Like, um, can I feel? I feel like there's nothing wrong with visiting Chernobyl. Like I would love to do that. I would love to to learn more about what happened there. But like I said, it is about your intention. Like, and it's also about respecting what people have gone through. Yeah. And so many times we, um, you know, th there are there are things put in place for a reason. And I'll give you an example. I was in um, Ladakh, uh, which is like the northernmost part of India. And it's famous for its like monasteries. And, and, and it's just beautiful. It's just so peaceful, um, serene, you know, majestic, the Himalayan mountains. And you have these little um, monasteries and there are monks who are praying. And so there is there are signs everywhere in this monastery to not take photos, not take videos, because essentially they're praying, right? And, mm -hmm. they, it's, and it's also a time for you to kind of reflect, to and absorb that good energy, that good vibration, right? Yeah. So they ask you to kind of be quiet, to not, you know, not giggle and, and just kind of be in the moment. And it was incredible the amount of people who walked in. The very first thing that they did was pick up the phone or the camera and start taking photos. Now, I'm a photographer. I, ha I travel with my camera all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's that intention, right? I mean, you look at this thing and you go, okay, um, there's a reason for this. And, and try to just take a step. It's not all about you. It's about where you are and respecting that moment and that, you know, that time and, those, and the people. Right. Yeah. And respecting um, people's culture as well. Right. Right. So it's I mean, it happens everywhere. Right. But yeah. when it happens in situations like you mentioned, the whole dark tourism effect, it's just it just makes you feel. I don't know, like your heart is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like I said, like, I don't think these people are doing it with bad intentions. I just think it's about like not being educated or this whole like crazy social media thing you know of like showing off and yeah yeah you know it's I, I have this conversation with a lot of people at times about the whole influencer word right mm -hmm. and um, I know like when we first hear the word we all cringe and we are because we have this this image of what a typical influencer does and looks like and mm -hmm. promotes and if you take a step back and you think about the word in itself, an influencer is somebody who can influence you by their actions. So it, there can be a lot of good that comes out of, quote unquote, influencer. But somehow this whole word has gotten this negative connotation. You know, the actions of a few kind of uh, <laughs> diss the whole group. Uh, so it's, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I respect a lot of these influencers. Like, it, it is, I think, a tougher job than I think, like, than a lot of people probably think it is. Like, it is not just about taking a pretty photo and captioning, you know, like, hello, this is me or something. Um, and as someone who, like, you know, spends a lot of time in social media as well and creates these posts, like, it takes a lot of time. 
um, but but it is like you say, like what do you want to put out in social media? Like that's what matters. Right, right. Now let's talk a little bit about um, something you mentioned earlier, which is which is another very hot topic these mm. days: um, diversifying the travel industry. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, to talk to me a little bit about sort of where your head is in terms of, and I and I'm going at it from the from the perspective of. Um, the other side so the, mm. the the travelers the um not just the the places that we go to but you know the people in the travel industry how can we diversify the travel industry in terms of the players involved i think we need to see more representation you know speaking as an asian woman myself like well i would say that you know like if you think about an asian traveler like what do you think about probably like you know the Chinese people who are like in huge groups or something but you wouldn't necessarily maybe think about a solo female traveler for example which I am um and you know like I think there is um like speaking from my own experience like when I've like I've stayed a lot in hostels for example and sometimes or more often than you know not I'm I'm just like the only person of color who is in this hostel um, and I've also been treated a bit differently just because of the way I look, um, you know, like people kind of, you know, see that you're Asian and maybe they assume that you don't have the money to travel, for example. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. Um, or also, like I mentioned in my Instagram as well, when I was talking about the, you know, diversifying, um, people have thought that I was a prostitute in Southeast Asia. Um, and just all of these like prejudices and stereotypes about, you know, people of color or women of color, like it makes such a damage to like our travel experience. So that's why I think it is so important to diversify traveling and to show people, you know, like, okay, you know, Asian people can afford traveling and they do it and they also do it alone, not just in huge groups or, you know, any kind of person who's not represented. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I was um, I traveled to Australia. My my cousin lives there, and that was my one of my very few times that I was traveling alone with my kids. I have two kids, um, and it was I was nervous to begin with, and the some of the questions that I got really kind of shook me a little bit you know it was like okay so why are you traveling like are you a single mom are you divorced why are you traveling alone with your children where are you going where are you going to stay what are you going to do and I'm like okay back off you know <laughs> like I know you mean yeah. well but I got it you know I and, and it's, it's not typical we don't typically see like you said Asian women Indian women traveling alone with children it's uh, apart from going back home to India I wasn't mm. I was going you know completely a different direction yeah. and it's just it was, it, like I said, it was shocking and it was just, it, some of it did put me on guard and I was like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But we had so much fun and we had, it was such a bonding experience for me and my kids. And, you know, I would love to do that again, but it's just, you don't see these narratives and, and it's, it's, you know, it's part of it is me as well. Like I don't talk about it too, because I'm a little conscious, mm -hmm. but we have to, we have to have these difficult discussions. We have to put these experiences, our experiences out there because there's somebody who can relate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I also had this experience when I went to Australia. Um, you know, there's this 
you know, stereotype about Asia, Southeast Asian in particular, uh, or Vietnamese people in particular, are smuggling drugs to Australia. And I was joking with my friends on the plane. I was like, I'm 100% certain that I'm going to be questioned or like, you know, selected, randomly selected, as they say. Um, so when we landed, I was like, you know what, I'm prepared. And yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. They're like, ma'am, can you just come with us? I'm like, you know what, let's go. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my God. That totally that totally happened to us, too, because we... Um, you know how at the airport they have those uh, beagles, the sniffer dogs? Yes. Um, everybody, like there were there were couples in front of us and behind us and they didn't get stopped. Mm-hmm. We got pulled to the side and they were like, oh, the dogs are just going to sniff. And of course, we are dog people. So we were like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but then I realized that, wait, I'm like, I'm only the like one of the very few people who is being pulled out. And maybe it's because, you know, typically Indians come with like food and, and mm. they come with fruits. And, you know, again, it's that stereotypical. You see a person's face and the color of their skin. And even before they can say a word, you already have a bias yeah, exactly. on who they are. I, so. have to, I have to say, though, the woman who like pulled me over, like she was so nice. She was like, she only had one question. She was like, because I was born in Hong Kong. So she was like, can you just please explain to me? Why do you have a Swedish passport? But your <laughs> name is Vietnamese, but it says here you're born in Hong Kong. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to explain it to you. <laughs> and then she just let me go. <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I understand there's a process and, and there are always two sides to a coin. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it just, it's, you know, you, you can't help but question. And yeah. it's, I guess it's okay to question and it's okay to talk about, you know, talk about these things. So. But I do also have to say one thing, like when we talk about the, the narrative of, you know, also like being an Asian woman, I've also felt that I've been more protected than others. And mm. this is because people usually have a perception of Asians being, you know, law-abiding citizens, for example. Um, and also because of my looks, like I feel like I can also blend in more in, um, in countries. So... Mm. I mean, yeah, being Asian does have its pros and cons for sure when traveling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And and it's it's it's, it's always uh, like I said, it's there's always two sides to the coin, right? I mean, there's yeah. th- there are going to be some benefits and there's going to be some disadvantages. But I think the I think we have to talk about everything yeah. uh, more because sometimes people feel like you know when we don't bring these narratives like you said out into the open we don't feel like we are understood or heard or appreciated yeah. and you know every everybody's thought process is going to be different and that's what makes it so beautiful and unique i mean as as a, as a human as humanity as a human race we are we are expected to have different opinions and that's okay that just makes the dialogue that much more interesting yeah for right? sure and I no. would, oh yeah sorry no, no no go ahead go ahead <laughs> and no and i would also just hate you know um for someone who's traveled you know for quite some time i'm kind of used to you know certain questions or certain looks or something but mm. i just i would just hate you know seeing like younger girls who also you know are women of color experiencing a few things that i've experienced um yeah i just hope that. I think that's so. So let's in the in the spirit of trying to get these conversations on the table. uh, Can you share some of those experiences, if it's okay? Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, a lot of the experiences I can, you know, laugh about. Um, but I was in South America seven years ago. And seven years ago, there were not a lot of travelers in general in South mm. America, let alone a, an Asian <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> so there were like a lot of comments, you know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like Chinese girl, like, obviously, that was the first nationality that came up. But right. you know, I was often called um, the Chinese <laughs> girl. Um, and you know, like you know, you can laugh about it a bit, but in the like, it got irritating after a while. And yeah. you know, I understood that they did like their intention wasn't bad, but I'm like, oh, I just, I just can't, you know. Yeah. Um, but also traveling in Europe sometimes, um, I felt a bit uncomfortable just because people have looked at me like I, I, I have definitely felt that people have looked at me differently because I am mm. Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is like a topic in itself. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, Dua, um, mm-hmm. tell me something in terms of everything that you study and you've experienced, and particularly 2020 as it's kind of unfolded for us. Mm-hmm. Where do you think travel is headed in the future? Well, my hopes is that it is heading towards a more like it will have a more sustainable approach um, that people will realize maybe, you know, it's not sustainable to just take these, like just fly, you know, wherever you want to, whenever you want to, without thinking about the consequences of the environment, for example. Mm. But also, I feel like we need to be better towards like local and maybe, like I'm hoping that community-based tourism will be um bigger in the future as well um honestly like if if, but if i have to be honest i feel like so many people have been you know dying to travel during this pandemic and once you know the world is starting to open up more i think that people will just continue traveling as nothing has ever happened Hmm. (laughs) unfortunately yeah yeah i see some of that for sure um i traveled recently we did a quick road trip and uh, not quick i mean it was a two-week road trip we were out for two weeks because i can't do the weekend things anymore just doesn't make sense um and i noticed that you know from a hotel standpoint from a restaurant standpoint so many of it was just as if nothing had happened and you know in the u.s we've gone we've surpassed 500 thousand people dying of COVID so it's a big deal but when you kind of look at the way sometimes people were behaving it didn't feel like it it felt like they were in their own bubble and nothing had happened Mm -hmm. and so yes there is the hope that at least a few of us will kind of (laughs) you know kind of stop and think and and kind of Mm -hmm. reevaluate do I really need to go how can I be better a better traveler and how can I leave the place better or as is than when I got there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I don't think a pandemic should be the reason why people, mm. you know, start thinking in a different way. Like, it, it shouldn't, you know, require a pandemic to happen in order for people right. to be like, how can I be a better traveler? Um, but I also hope that people see how much this has affected locals um, who, you know, like tourism is their way of... yeah earning you know money and especially in countries like thailand for example um 
you know, like I don't think the tourism industry should shut down um, just because, you know, it's bad to fly, for example, because so many people benefit from tourism. Right. Um, but then, like, it is also, like, you should think about the whole picture. Like, start planning before you even go traveling, you know? Like, start thinking about perhaps more sustainable ways of, you know, like, if you're going to fly, for example, like, don't, like, choose a direct flight because, you know, that's better for the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can, like, stay there for a longer time and invest, you know, back in local businesses. And, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this... Um, this giving back to the community that you're in and trying to kind of be be a better steward, I guess, for um, the resources and the, the, the people and the place that you visit is definitely something that we should all think about in any way that we can. It doesn't have to be a grandiose, you know, thing that we do and, and that has a huge impact. Sometimes the smaller things have even a better and bigger impact than we realize. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, like there's a lot of talk about traveling to nearby places, which I think is great. And you should travel more in your own country as well. But realistically, like people, people will always have the desire of, you know, exploring something very different from where, mm -hmm. you know, their own environment. So the question is, like, how can we make that more fair and more sustainable for everyone? Right, right. Now, um, what are you, what are you what are your travel plans? Do you plan to go anywhere, or just kind of like you said, in, uh, explore your local um, area? Um, that is a good question. <laughs> I mean, I would love to go to Central America. Like for me, like I've always dreamt of going to Nicaragua. Okay. And also to Costa Rica because you know Costa Rica is. Um, like they're very focused on sustainability, and I would love yes. to learn more about it. Um, but then again, like I'm not going to take any risks right now. Like I haven't gotten vaccinated, and right. I just don't think that now is the time to, you know, book flights, for example. Mm -hmm. But of course, there are like you know you're allowed to, to dream. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, I mean, yes, for sure. And I'm hoping that this vaccine will come soon. And even when I get this vaccine, you know, like still. I'm still going to wear a mask and I'm still going to be very careful of, you know, washing my hands and everything. And, you know, I, th I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think I would, you know, prefer to go to a destination where they handled the pandemic quite well as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, you, places. you, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, in this whole season, I have spoken to people all over the world, and I have to say, I've loved the armchair travel. Because oh. the moment I hang up and I end, end the podcast, I'm like, oh, I want to go to Iceland. Oh, I want to go to Japan. Oh, I want to go to Norway. <laughs> uh, or Sweden. My list, or Sweden. Yeah. I know, I know. It's just, it, I, it's like I feel like, I feel connected to everybody I speak with and I'm like, oh, I want to go visit. Of course, you're, you're always welcome, always welcome. Yes. I can't guarantee good weather, but I can guarantee Hey, I'm good in company. Chicago um, <laughs> and for, for whatever reason, we have a freak week this week because we're oh. in the 60s and then we're going to go drop that down to the 30s. So oh. I think from a weather perspective, I've got myself covered. <laughs> Perfect, you know, you know how it is. 
Yes. Yeah. Now you are also a podcaster. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about your podcast? <laughs> yes. So my podcast is called A Better Tomorrow. Um, I'm co-hosting it with a friend. So we want to take the sustainability, like we want to talk about sustainability, but we want to focus on the positive aspects of, you know, what are people actually doing about some of these issues like so often we always like you know listen to news or even me studying you know like we read about problems um but i'm like okay so you know here are the problems then are there any solutions and that's how we came up with this idea of this podcast of interviewing people who had like these creative ideas of you know making some something better and more sustainable yeah Oh, it sounds fascinating. And I'll definitely link to it in the show notes too so people can go check it out. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tua. This has been amazing. I, I feel like we could talk about this forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming Thank on you. the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Culturally Ours. Check out the show notes at culturallyours.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your family and friends.